Ball hit deep in the left center field. Wise back, back. Makes the catch! What a play! Wade Wise makes the catch! What a play by Wise! Mercy! This is the Shoeless Goat Podcast. Brent Brown drops the ball! He drops the ball! Three runs will score! You gotta be paping me! What in the hell are you doing? Hello and welcome to the Shoeless Goat Podcast. We're a Cubs, White Sox, and MLB podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nick. I'm joined again by the mayor of Section 509, Patrick Bovard. Pat, how are you doing? Pretty good, Nick. Another week, another first place finish for the Sox. And as I'll get into later, finally uh, knocked off the Bully Twins for the first time in what seems like decades. So overall, this has been a pretty good week for me. Uh, yeah, Twins, definitely the shocker of the year. I know that their hitting stats are great, but their pitching stats are just so atrocious. Horrible. So maybe and Buxton's uh, out, which you know, yeah, screws him over. But and Cave too, I think Cave just got hurt. He got hurt. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to dance on the graves, but I you're not going to get any sympathy for me for that team. They've had they've had their chance. Yeah, no kidding. And Michael Pineda is massive. He's the he's next like part. I think. Yeah, but just like now, he's got that um, that like mid early 30s like baseball gut. It's like if Lance Lynn got like, you know, when you're resizing an image in Microsoft Word and you pull the diagonal and it just gets bigger and wider. It's like if you did that to Lance Lynn. Yeah, definitely. Uh, But anyway, uh, Cubs, I'm going to start off, I guess, yeah, just weekly recap. I'm going to start with the Cubs because it's not nearly as fun. Um, They only played five games this week. They got two off days in one week, which was both annoying and it's just kind of weird, like where those could have built it, been built in in better ways. But in any case, they go two, two and three on the week. Uh, could have done the White Sox some favors as they went to Cleveland, returning for the first time since winning the World Series in 2016. I think it was the first time anyway, because um, they just kept showing the highlights. So um, in any case, uh, went 0 for 2 in Cleveland, which uh, – Happen. Oh, the Cubs did lose two games in, in Cleveland back then too. So I guess that's fair. Uh, Tuesday was the first game of the week. They lost three to two. Uh, not a whole lot going on on both ends. Pitching was pretty solid. Uh, Wednesday was a two to one loss in extras. So keep that in mind. It's an extra innings loss. If it, if it was hockey, we'd get a point, but it's not. So too damn bad. Um, no game Thursday, and then Friday, uh, Detroit. They had to Detroit. These are the kind of series that it's nice to win the series, but you'd rather sweep the series. In fact, of course, Detroit's not going to lose every single game of the year. So the teams that uh, sweep them, you know, do themselves a little bit more of a favor. Cubs did not do that. Friday, a 4-2 to win, though. Um, Jake Arietta pitched pretty masterfully. He had two bad pitches, both for solo shots and I believe the sixth inning. And then the bullpen went hitless for the rest of the game, um, throwing only about 30 pitches in three innings. So everybody top to bottom was pretty dominant, which is good. Saturday, another extra innings loss, 9-8. to eight. Uh, Pitching was not the upside of this game today, obviously. Um, and uh, the... Extra innings lost the second in the week. Kind of a bummer. Sunday, you got to get this win. You can't lose two of three to the uh, Tigers the same way you did to the Pirates a couple times. Uh, a five to one win. Hendricks was very much back looking. He was dominant, low pitch counts, high swing and miss rates, and curveballs that were going from the eyes to the kneecaps. So it was good to see. So uh, with that being said, uh, 19 and 20 complete record, three and a half back of the Cardinals. And, uh, 
still just hovering around that 500 mark. If they can, you know, get a couple games above it, I think they have a chance at a wild card or a division. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was going to say I was very disappointed that you guys couldn't help us out there in Cleveland at all against the baseball team. That was disappointing, but at least our boys in blue up in the Pacific Northwest were able to take two out of three from the baseball team. So I at least got some help there. Yeah, um, I did get to see my boy Karen Jack pitch, and he was in peak form as he got out of a bases-loaded jam that he created by like speaking to the baseball and telling it what to do. That, that's one way to do it, though. You know, Instead of trying to throw it, just taking it where it wants to go. Yeah, it's very much like uh, Happy Gilmore, like sinking the putts. It's home. It wants to go home. It wants to go home. His bags are packed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so not bad for the Cubs. I'm not going to complain. As long as they hover around 500 while it still matters, that's good because then it, uh, I guess, makes it gives the front office more to think about if there is, wasn't more to think about already. But anyway, how the Sox do this week, Pat? Very good. Uh, definitely a successful week on the South side. The end was a little bit, I don't want to say disappointing, but underwhelming maybe is the better word. In any event, they'll finish the week five and two, which brings the season record to 24 and 15, which is the best winning percentage in baseball, two and a half games up on Cleveland. And I think now like 11 games up on the absolutely just dead Minnesota twins. Um, but in any event, to get started, kind of segueing into that twin series, it was a three game set against the twins at home where the Sox swept the Twins in a three-game series for the first time in five years, so it feels like the torch has finally been passed in the division, which was really one of the question marks going into this year. Obviously, the Twins haven't played up to their billing, but it still feels good to get that win. I was at the game in that series on Tuesday, and it felt like a playoff game as much as an early May game can. Um, like I know at one point, Crochet had a sweeping slider that took out, I, I can't remember who was batting, but just absolutely wiped him out, and the crowd went nuts. It was a really cool atmosphere to finally see again at the ballpark. Um, pretty pretty easy wins in that series. 9-3 on Tuesday, 13-8 on Wednesday, where it really only got close at the end. And that was really buoyed by a four-hit game from noted slugger Billy Hamilton. So that was nice to see, along with Andrew Vaughn's first career homer. So overall, pretty good air. Uh, Thursday was a little closer. It was 4-2. to two. Michael Pineda had a pretty good pitcher's duel. Um, but ultimately, the Sox were able to pull it off. Jake Lamb hit a homer, and Yerman got them an insurance run in the eighth, and Liam Hendricks got him a five-out save. So after getting that kind of cathartic sweep against Minnesota, had a home series against Kansas City, who we had swept last week. Unfortunately, this didn't go as well. Um, started off with a, a split doubleheader where the Royals won game one, six to 2 and the Sox won the nightcap 3-1. to one. Uh, Biggest story from those two games, though, was Abreu colliding with uh, Hunter Dozier on the first baseline in game one, which I don't know if you saw that video, but... It was very bad, that collision. It looked like a receiver getting laid out like over the middle by a safety, except Abreu's like 6'3", 240, and Dozier's like 6'4", 250. So Jesus. two just yeah, I didn't absurd, see it. absurdly big individuals colliding. And then Abreu, they said, has a face laceration and a knee contusion, and it is a miracle that he was not concussed because that was they both just bounced off each other, hit the ground. Um, luckily, though, Saturday, Abreu came back uh, ready to play, Unfortunately, the rest of the offense didn't. It was a 5-1 loss where Carlos Rodon finally looked human. The only offense really was from Abreu, who hit a solo shot. And then Sunday, Sox were able to salvage the series 2-2. It was a back-and-forth game that they won 4-3. The bottom of the ninth is where most of the excitement came after a pitcher's duel between Brady Singer and Dylan Cease. Um, In the ninth, the Sox scored two to pull ahead 4-3. The first attempt at that didn't go so well, with Moncada getting gunned by about three steps at home by Whit Merrifield. Uh, from right, he completely blew through a stop sign. So if that's how it would have ended, that would have been horribly disappointing. Uh, but then uh, Jose Abreu, right after that, scored on a wild pitch from third base in a very 
very close play that it looked like on the replay, the mitt, like as he was sliding, slid between his elbow and his body. Like the one spot where it couldn't touch him looked like where it went, which is pretty much how the luck of this season has been going so far. But uh, overall, not a bad week. Yeah, not getting this, a sweep against Kansas City was bad, was disappointing, but we swept them last week, and with a 2-2 split, they don't gain any ground on you. So overall, can't really ask for much of a better week at this point. Love the um, already scoreboard watching and standings watching that's going on with only, what, 100 and you know 30 something games to go. I'm still used to I'm still uh, sitting on that 60 game barometer. Like it's already been 50 or 40 games so I'm like, "Oh boy, it feels like we're getting close." But you you sir are going to be flustered by game 62 with 100 remaining. I will say that. Oh yeah, I am fully I am fully ready for. Well, no, I'm not fully ready for that. I'm fully meant I'm saying I'm prepared. It's going to be a long year though. So Every like Chicago team I could remember anyway, there's uh, it happens every five or six years. There's a game that a player, you know, performs well above their actual talent level and it becomes that person's name's game. So like the Cubs had like Jeff Baker, it was like Jeff Baker day. And then like, um, you know, there's those games that like Scalabrini would light up, yep. you know, 12 to 15 points for the Bulls or something like that. So is this the Billy Hamilton game when all is said and done? Oh, easily. I mean, him going four for four in a game is going to buoy that batting average for a good couple of weeks while he's still in the lineup. But I don't know. I, I've always said Billy Hamilton is a good player to have somewhere on your roster, preferably closer to the end of the bench. Guy that can come off run and play the field. When he has to start every day, that's not good. But it's also cool to see a guy like that get out there and get four hits, including a, like a, the triple, which was nuts. Um, Homer away from the cycle. But I mean, you know, if it got him a win, I'll take it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. You love to see it. Uh, so let's move on pretty quickly here. Um, who is your player of the week for the White Sox? So yeah, with an honorable mention to Andrew Vaughn, who hit his first two career home runs this week, I'm going with Jose Abreu. Uh, overall in the week, he hit 474 with two homers and seven RBIs, but really it's outside of the numbers where he got the player of the week for me. Um, like I mentioned, he left the game on Friday after that horrific collision, came back Saturday and everybody was shocked. I think, uh, uh, I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody was like, they came to the stadium on Saturday, like thinking he was going to be out. And then they're like, oh no, he's in the batting cage swinging. He's going to play. And they're like, well, what, what the hell? But yeah, he was out there stitches and all on his cheek. Um, went four for eight Saturday and Sunday with that home run on Sunday to pro- Saturday to provide all the offense, the game winning run on Sunday. Um, and that Homer put him into 10th place all time in the White Sox RBI list. So overall, I think this was a good reminder of who the heart and soul of this team is with Jose Abreu kind of providing that spark after he went down Friday. Yeah, it's like the uh, stitches going out there and still playing very Andrew Shaw-esque upon his retirement. So we may have a new uh, new kind of, I guess, folklore in that regard as well. I was going to say, I was, the, the mantle of White Sox grit master has officially been passed from Adam Eden to Jose Abreu. You saying that it wasn't Adam Dunn still holding onto it this whole time? Hey, he he. You know, everyone will talk about how he hit 150, but they won't talk about how he fought through appendicitis early that season. You know, uh, I think uh, Grandal is very jealous of that 150 that Adam Dunn currently has. Hey, yeah, yeah, whatever. We talked. We talked about this. We're not going to get into it again. He he hit two homers this week, so we'll take it. That's fair. Okay. Um, Cubs for the week is Jock Peterson. Uh, he went 12 for 31, which is like a high 300s batting average and had three RBI. Um, it's more of what he's done for the year. Obviously, this is a hot streak that is uh, making his batting average 
right around where it should be. Um, he wasn't, you know, he was hitting like 120 to start the year. It was horrible. Now he's on this hot streak, so it's nice to see. And he's going the opposite way a lot, which is really great. Uh, he's finally getting his opportunity to play every day, and that means facing lefty starting pitching, which he never really got a chance to see. And doing so, he's currently batting 253 on the season, and for a career 231 hitter, you will absolutely take it, especially on a one-year deal, especially when you're not really sure what uh, the future is going to look like. It's just nice to have a guy who's, uh, who's, who's killing it like he is. And obviously it's only about a week and a half into him killing it for the year. If you asked me, you know, two weeks ago, I would have been pissed that we have Jack Peterson. So anyway, player of the week, Jack Peterson, happy for him so far. I was going to say, yeah, I would like, like you said about two weeks ago, I was ready to dance on the, not dance on the grave, but you know, I was ready to say how Adam Eaton was a much better signing than Jack Peterson. And now like those pendulums have completely shifted. So interested to see where that one ends up by the end of the year. Yeah, it's hard to compare the two because they're very two different very players. different players. And also, um, like, Jock was never on the Cubs before and, like, wasn't, you know, hadn't left in disgrace and is coming back. So uh, he, he didn't uh, call a former teammate's 12 year old son a leader of the team. No, not yet, anyway. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe well, it's a younger team. So they probably have, like, two and three year old kids. So I think as Adam Eaton ages a little bit, maybe he starts looking to three and four year olds for leadership roles. Hey, you know, you got to catch him early. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so moving on very quickly again, um, we did not get a no hitter. Who was yours from last week? And maybe you can run down your uh, whole list. Yeah. So last week I took Jack Flaherty on the Cardinals, which completed my roster so far of Jake DeGrom, Corbin Burns, uh, Marcus Stroman, and then Flaherty overall, no luck yet on my end, but you know, I'm thinking this this week's pick is going to get me a little bit of magic. All right, who you got? I am going with, and I have no logic for making this pick. And I don't, I, I don't know if I actually think they'll throw a no hitter, but it seems like something that would happen in 2021. So I'm going with Shohei Otani. That would be, I think that would lock him up MVP already. The way they're yep. talking about it, because <laughs> um, then he'd like have to go. You know, if he went like two for three the next day or something like that, that would it's be a- just. Absolute bananas. It just seems like something that would happen this year. And like, again, that would like break like all sports, like news cycles everywhere. Yeah. Oh my God. Japan would blow up. Sorry for using that term. Oh no. no. Okay. Anyway. uh, Yeah. Oh Oh boy. Okay. Too soon. Oh, geez. Okay. Anyway, uh, moving on to, to my picks. Um, Wow. Okay. Uh, so I started off with, I obviously haven't gotten there either. I've gotten closer than you, I think, just because yeah. of Zach Wheeler. Uh, Casey Mize, Zach Wheeler, uh, Nick Phillips picked for me, Shane Bieber, Ian Anderson this week, no dice there. Um, and I'm going with a guy who is a 24-year-old veteran, um, Julio Urias from the Dodgers. Um, again, I'm going with my non-ace picking rule. He certainly isn't one, but he is five and one with a mid three ZRA right now. I uh, had went seven innings last week or last game, I should say. So I could see him fooling enough guys playing like the, uh, I don't know, maybe the Diamondbacks or something like that. Dude. Yeah. I don't know. At this point, what if we had like five, four, what is it? Four official no hitters in the, the mad bum Mickey mouse one. So it's like, yeah, who I, I mean, I don't know. You could pull a name out of a hat and they probably have as good a chance as anybody this year with the baseballs. That's what we're doing, actually, is we're really? basically pulling a name out of it. I mean, it might as well be. We're just picking a random guy each week. The first two um, weeks, so. I tried to get a little more analytical with it. Like, who do I want? Now I'm just like, I. It, wouldn't it be cool if this person threw a no-hitter? Yeah. Um, Probably a better way to do it. I don't know. 
Yeah, well, then we'd be picking, like, the goofiest dudes, like, you know, the, the return of Bartolo. Like or something. John Means or Wade Miley. Exactly. So, that's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how it works. Um, but anyway, okay. Um, so, obviously, we will uh, go to our next topic and our favorite topic, the LinkedIn player profile. LinkedIn player profile being when we look at the life of a former Cub, former White Sox, and uh, use LinkedIn as a primary source to see what they're up to now. Maybe it'll invoke some fun memories. Pat, I'm going to let you go first this week. Um, you're in no fear of uh, picking my guy because he was never on the south side. So go ahead. Same. Yeah, this guy never played for the Cubs either. So I am going with the pride of Greensboro, North Carolina, Dallas McPherson. Uh, was probably more known for his career with the Angels. Um, where he came up as a prospect, then went to the Marlins and then the White Sox. A little bit on his background, like I said, he's out of North Carolina, was drafted originally in the 44th round of the 98 draft, but did not sign. Um, he then went to the Citadel, where he was drafted in the second round by the Angels, at that time the Anaheim Angels, eventually the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and now the Los Angeles Angels. Um, so he went on to play for them. He was, at one point, a very highly regarded prospect. In 2004, was the minor league player of the year for the Angels and in Baseball America. Um, was the September call-up that year, finally making his debut in September, coincidentally enough, against the White Sox. Um, after that, though, didn't really do much with his career. Kind of had a, a slow couple years with the Angels before bouncing around, um, going to Florida on a one-year deal. That Florida Marlins, again, now I'm just getting names mixed up here. Uh, signed a minor league deal with the Giants after that, never played in the majors, signed with the A's, never played in the majors with them. And then, of course, like so many late 2000s, early 2010s players, ended up with the White Sox where he did get a chance in the major leagues. Um, only played 11 games with the White Sox and hit 133 in those games, so obviously did not make much of an impression and was released that August, uh, despite hitting a, a respectable 253 in AAA. Never made it back, though, in the major leagues after that. Bounced around in the minors with uh, Pittsburgh, L.A., the Dodgers, not the uh, Angels, so he did not get a homecoming to end his career. And then went over to the York Revolution in the Atlantic League where he wrapped up his playing career in 2013. Since then, he's mostly been in coaching. Um, LinkedIn is pretty bare bones, so not seeing a lot of uh, good networking here. But he does have 152 connections. His experience, there are two things listed. One, professional baseball player for the Chicago White Sox, 2011 to 2013. So despite all those years with the Angels and other minor league teams, he only lists the White Sox, which is uh, co interesting enough. Um, and is now and has been since December 2017, a skill development coordinator for the Toronto Blue Jays. So he's been uh, at least still gainfully employed in the game, game of baseball, has some endorsements in baseball, sports management, and scouting. And his interest, his only interest, is the Toronto Blue Jays. So clearly proud of his new employer. Um, definitely seems to remember his time with the White Sox fondly, despite the uh, very lackluster stat line, nearly a 50% strikeout rate in those 11 games. But what are you going to do? And oh, oh my God, I just noticed WRC plus is negative 41. So 141% below league average. So that's just, oh, oh my God. Not, not, <laughs> what you want, not what you want to see. So yeah, overall, probably an underwhelming career. Um, but hey, he made it in the major leagues for a few years and is clearly uh, making it for himself now. So that's uh, Dalek McPherson. Da oh my God, I butchered that. Dallas McPherson. So the way you said like, oh my God, when you're looking at his stat line, I thought you're going to be like, and he's live now getting chased by the police in a car chase. <laughs> but you know, like that's the, what I was expecting. And he said, oh my God. So I was so disappointed. There's a white Bronco um, just going down the highway in yeah. Toronto. But no one would know who he was. It would have been more like a Rob Baronis type of uh, highway <laughs> rampage. R.I.P. Oh, man, I'm feeling really dark today. Oh, um, God, yeah. This is... 
Yeah, that's what happens in this. You know, now we're getting into the dog days of the season. And by that, I mean not even mid-May. Yeah. So uh, your guy, Dallas, um, his only interest being the Toronto Blue Jays. It just reminds me of like when SpongeBob wanted to be a, a good waiter and he could only think of fine dining and breathing. Like he's a company man. Exactly. Yeah. Just what you ask him. It's like, what's the name? What, where, so where did we put the name? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, this is good radio. Just talking about SpongeBob episodes I've seen. <laughs> um, but in any case, uh, we'll move on to the Cubs one. The Chicago Cubs LinkedIn player profile of the week is Jeff Facero. Uh, Jeff Facero, who played for a number of teams in the MLB, started off with uh, the Expos, Mariners, Rangers, Red Sox, uh, Cubs from 01 to 02, then to the Cardinals, Rockies, Diamondbacks, and San Francisco Giants. He's a pitcher, obviously, from Springfield, Illinois, so it's hard to say if he grew up a Cubs or a Cardinal fan. Probably not a White Sox fan, but you never know. Um, in any case, career win-loss records of 121 and 124, so just under that 500 mark, 4.11 ERA and 1,643 strikeouts. Um, his time with the Rangers, Red Sox, Cubs, and Cardinals on Wikipedia is all just kind of lumped together. Um, I don't know why they just didn't have enough on him for his short time with those teams specifically. Uh, in any case, he retired in 2006 as a member of the San Francisco Giants. Um, even the, in, in the winter of 2008, though, he pitched with Mayos de Navajoa in Liga Mexicana del Pacifico before he finally retired for good. So we'll take a look at his um LinkedIn here actually we'll, we'll continue with uh, the Wikipedia he was also a minor league coach for the Chicago Cubs uh for the Class A uh Northwest League uh that was the Boise Hawks at the time then he got promoted to the Chiefs then the Smokies so he was really working his way up the uh minor league system for the Cubs coaching wise uh, and then switched over to the Reds organization because you can't turn down an offer to be the double A pitching coach for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos um no, how could you? I mean, the uniforms themselves would be great. Um, in any case, we'll go to his LinkedIn. Um, his LinkedIn is very, um, it, it looks like a, uh, definitely a 50 and up dad on Facebook. He's got the picture of the selfie with the sunglasses. Um, so that's okay. always nice to see. And he's commenting, um, he, there's an activity section. He has 527 followers, but he's constantly commenting on other people's LinkedIn stuff, saying things like sad, um, I think there's a uh, there's a uh, article about um, um, Degrom, and it just says now now know they are losing fans. I don't know. In any case, he uses LinkedIn as Facebook, so minus oh, points no. there for sure. Um, his interests are only um, as you know they're kind of limited as well. Um, Melbourne Aces Australian baseball team, the Cincinnati Reds, the Miracle League of Arizona, Rap Soto, uh, Major League Baseball Players Alumni Association, of course, sports management worldwide. So let's, he does not list any of the teams he's played for, um, but currently self-employed as a pitching coach, which leads me to believe he is still in that red system somewhere. So kind of, kind of bare bones on the LinkedIn, but I found it kind of funny that he just looks like your typical Facebook dad and he treats LinkedIn as such. Hey, you know, you got to get your message out there somehow. Yeah, whatever avenue you're going to use. Um, but in any case, Jeff Facero, Cubs LinkedIn player profile. Uh, we'll come up with some good ones next week, hopefully as well, to uh, keep the tradition alive. So that concludes our episode of the Shoeless Goat Podcast. Pat, thank you so much for being on. Of course, before we leave, we have to ask one question that you have not heard before. Pat, are you ready? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Okay, so it's simple as this. Would you prefer to have Ozzie Guillen coaching the White Sox right now? No. And why? 
No, absolutely not. No, I don't. I, I, so I always hear that argument from people, but, and I guess to start things off, like I have a lot of respect and there's a place in my heart for what Ozzy did with the White Sox, both as a player and as a manager, obviously you win a world series with a team that hadn't won in 80, uh, 88, but was that at 80, 80, yeah, 88 years, 1917 to 2005, shorter Chicago drought, which is very embarrassing to say for the city <laughs> as a whole. Uh, but yeah, when you win that, like you're going to get remembered with that team pretty much for the rest of your life. And I like watching him on TV in the pregame shows. Uh, it's it's fun to kind of get his point there, but he, his time has passed. Like, which I mean, I guess you could say that about Tony Larusa too. But the thing with Ozzy was he was never a, I don't know, I'll say this. They got the small ball stuff, but he was never a master strategist. Um, and I, it seemed like his style was just going out there, being fiery and getting players to click, which worked in 2005 and 2008 and didn't really work any other year, especially a lot of people forget that last year he was there in 2011, just how bad that ending was where he basically stopped managing with a month left in the season and then left the team before the end of the year. Um, I just, I, I, I think that time has passed and I, as much as I would say, I want somebody more modern. I just think. You, you, especially with this team, I don't want somebody combustible like that at the helm. I do not think that is what this team needs. I think it needs maybe not necessarily Tony LaRusso, but I think you need somebody out there that's more of a steady force that kind of has been there before, which I guess Ozzy has, but I don't know. He just does not seem like the right fit to me. Fair enough. His exit from Chicago was bad. Was it as bad as his exit from the Miami Marlins organization? I, I think if you are employed in the city of Miami and say that you love Fidel Castro, that's probably about the worst way you could get fired from the city. So I'm going to say no. Yeah. Um, didn't he also, I'm just randomly thinking Ozzy Gein stories. Didn't he also get like a jaywalking ticket in like Seattle or something I, like that? I think that was Kenny Williams actually. Oh, was it Kenny Williams? Okay. Yeah. yeah I know he, Ozzy had a dust up with a uh, Jay Mariotti back in the day. That was one of the other big ones. Ozzy coming out the winner in this feud um, as it kind of plays out anyway. Jay Mariotti <laughs> no longer doing a whole lot of sports talking. Um, but in any case, that concludes our episode of the Shields Code Podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify uh, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, also, you can check out our articles at SantChicago.com. I know Pat had two of them uh, come up last week based on current events, and I was working on uh, monthly reliever rankings. You can check those out as well, see how your team did. Uh, Cubs 20th for the month of April, uh, White Sox 28th. So a lot of work to do in the bullpen. But in any case, uh, thank you so much for listening. Go Cubs, go White Sox, go baseball. And remember, Yadi Molina is not a Hall of Famer. Take care. Same old place, sweet home, Chicago.